Good morning, all listeners. It's Saturday, January 13th, 2024. It is 8.06 a.m. Pacific time, and this is episode 299 of Ball Talk with Boogie and the Baron. Ah, Boogie! And I am the Baron, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Super Wild Card Weekend. Happy New Year. It's the first episode of Ball Talk since the new year and the calendar has flipped. We haven't talked to you guys since December 30th. It has been a tumultuous last month and a half for Boogie and I being, we're all over the world, my brother. And it's been crazy. We're all over the world. We have six wild card games to talk about today on episode 299. We have a play in every single one of those dogs or games. We got some dogs, we got some favorites, and we got a total. Looking forward to it. But I want to start off today with a big congratulations to J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh, and the Michigan Wolverines completing a 15-0 season Number one in all the land, defeating the Washington Huskies in the college football playoff national championship game on Monday, 34-13, to wire-to-wire win for Michigan, just like every other game. They led wire-to-wire, it seems, in every game this season, and Harbaugh finally gets the national championship back to Michigan for the first time since 1997. Unbelievable job by Michigan. Uh, they were able to take care of business Without Harbo for six games, going six and zero while he was suspended during the season, and it was just an unbelievable ride for this team. What an emotional win! Uh, just congratulations to him. Now we see what happens in his uh, his career. See if he can jump back to the NFL. Uh, it's a mystery at the moment. Uh, we will uh, have an update for you, uh, as everybody I'm sure will be uh, being put on notice. But great job, Blake Corum. Uh, the rest of that whole crew, that great defense, came through again. The high-powered Washington offense led by Michael Pennis. Great job by them, but just couldn't get it done because Michigan was on a mission, and they got it done. Great job. They were held to a season low in points, 13 points. This team scored. Their, their lowest of the season was a 15-7 win against Arizona State. Every other game, Boogs, they scored north of 30 points. And the Michigan defense stifles them. And it was funny, you know, I had the Michigan ticket on my future for 11-1. Yes, good I, job, buddy. So, national champion prediction. The only team I bet prior to the season was Michigan to win the national title. Um, so, that was good. But the reason I bring that up is the offshore betting account that I use is Bet Online. Um, they got a lot of promos right now. If you Shout guys out wanna, Bet Online. If you guys want to check it out, a lot of promos right now with uh, you know deposit matches and things of that nature. But I wanted to bring something up about you know there's a lot of speculation about Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan and going to the NFL. After they won the national title, Bet Online put a a prop bet out there. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, will he go to the NFL or will he stay in college? Wow. And it opened minus 170 that he would go to the NFL and plus 140 he would go to college. As of this morning, Jim Harbaugh on Bet Online is minus 500 to go to the NFL and plus 450 to stay at Michigan. Very interesting. Mm. A lot of uh, talks about potential. I think the Chargers found a coach already and the Patriots found a coach already. I know the Chargers were highly talked about based off of the fact that 
he was the quarterback for them. He started also his college career at the University of San Diego. Yeah, so we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there there obviously could be some some probation, some sanctions based off of everything that went down. I mean, you got to remember this Michigan team; they won half their games without him on the sidelines. I think um, if he does leave, uh, similar to what I think the Raiders should do in keeping Antonio Pierce, we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a second. I think. If Harbaugh leaves, they should keep Sharon Moore and make him the head coach because yes. he went six and zero as the head coach this year. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. They they love uh, that Michigan staff and shout out to Sharon Moore. He did a great job uh, leading that team while uh, in the absence of Harbaugh, and uh, I think that that would be right right up their alley to be able to just shift him right there. Yeah, I think that's what they should do. And so congratulations to Michigan. I wanted to touch on the Raiders situation for a second as we read some breaking news uh, this morning in regards to Max Crosby. Shout out to Max Crosby, by the way. Uh, Great the defense. All, the All-Pro uh, team came out yesterday, and Max Crosby, second team All-Pro. Um, he got some dogs in that position. Miles mm-hmm. um, Garrett and T.J. Watt were first teamers, and then Max Crosby on second team. He says that if they do not promote interim head coach Antonio Pierce to full-time head coach starting next year, he will request a trade to be traded away from the Raiders. So the pressure's on. Maybe could lose their best player if they don't make the right decision here and hire AP as their head coach. Yeah, there's a lot of respect out there right now for AP. Antonio Pierce, he's got the championship blood, uh, won a Super Bowl with the Giants back in the day. Uh, under Tom Coughlin, uh, that whole defense uh, upset uh, Tom Brady and his undefeated uh, regular season. Uh, and this team has gone through a lot of changes uh, since Gruden uh, was the head coach. And for this team to be able to believe under Antonio Pierce, uh, you got to get Mark Davis uh, some obviously uh, little little bit of leeway with figuring out what he wants to do for this team. But the most important thing is for you to get your leaders to believe uh, in their head coach. And uh, they believe in Antonio Pierce. And I think the the dog in this dude is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you just can't put enough into that. And uh, they will play hard for him. And I think that they respect him enough to be able to play better for him and the changes got to keep stopping. You know, they, they need some consistency on this team, and they believe in Pierce and what he can do. Well, per sources, as of this morning, he is the leading candidate for the job. Um, so that's that's big news there. He looks like he's leading the way, and it looks like they're going to make the right move and hire Antonio Pierce as the head coach. Um, before we head into these games, some other headlines uh, that we wanted to touch on. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is now the head coach of Alabama. Um, obviously, this has been a crazy week with legendary head coaches retiring. You know, Nick Saban at Alabama, Belichick and Pete Carroll, all three retired in a span of 24 hours. Seems like a new era of, of football. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is our second straight year that we haven't had uh, Brady or Manning in a playoff, which is weird. Um, but it seems like the new generation's kind of taken over. Um, so Kalen DeBoer, whose track record is great, the guy wins everywhere he goes. Yeah. He started coaching in early 2008. He led Sioux Falls to a NAIA championship, went to Fresno State, got them to multiple conference championship games in a New Year's Six bowl game. You know, 
He takes over a Washington program that was four and eight the year before he gets there. Leads them to an eleven. He gets Michael Penix because he I mean, was Indiana. He was the OC at Indiana, and he coached Penix on that side. He got Penix from Indiana. Um, he turns a four and eight Washington program. Uh, first year goes eleven and two and wins the Alamo Bowl, and then in year two, obviously twelve and one, thirteen and one goes to the national championship game. Pac twelve champions beats Oregon twice, beats mm. Texas in the semi. Um, <clears throat> great hire for uh, for Alabama, and what's going to be interesting is his, you know, obviously with the transfer portal now, there's a lot of different ways you can get bodies. His uh, recruiting pipeline is all it's Midwest Indiana mm-hmm. and it's Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. He has never recruited a player from the South, so it's going to be interesting to see if he could fill some gaps and get some of them players from Florida, Georgia, and Bama to come to Alabama. Um, but great leader of, uh, of these kids, uh, DeBoer's done great. So he takes over as the Tide head coach, and then Gerard Mayo takes over at, uh, for Belichick. So. Yeah, that's going to be weird. Um, you know, that's another situation with uh, Wild Bill out there trying to figure out what he's going to do in his career after a great 24 years with the Patriots. Uh, shout out to Bill Belichick. You know, there was some... Uh, in the media, obviously, that uh, did not uh, appreciate the way he treated the media, but you got to give it up for him, uh, and he is the GOAT uh, yes, is. for the head coaching uh, job he did uh, with him and Brady together, uh, getting to all those Super Bowls and winning six. Uh, so he's not done. We will see what happens. I'm sure on our next pod we will have probably an answer for you on that. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, Gerard Mayo played nine years under Bill Belichick, uh, and it looks like there was an NFL contract agreement uh, set in place a couple of years ago, which kept, was kept quiet uh, for Mayo to take over for Belichick when it was uh, all said and done. Mayo's been a lifelong Patriot, drafted by the Patriots, played his entire career as a Patriot, and has been a part of the coaching staff, and now he gets the role of head coach. Belichick could get a front office job. Uh, there's some speculation out there that if – Dallas loses to Green Bay tomorrow that he could go and get hired by Jerry Jones. Um, Obviously, the Seahawks job is still up for grabs. A lot of people are saying Harbaugh goes to the Seahawks uh, because Pete Carroll was able to make that college-to-pro transition with Seattle and win a Super Bowl. There's a possibility, though, too, uh, Dan Quinn could go back to Seattle. Yeah, He's the defensive great defensive coach for the Cowboys and might go back as he was underneath uh, Carroll as the defensive head coach uh, for Seattle in the Legion of Boom. That is, that's another, another good one. And another Dan Quinn connection, the Atlanta Falcons job is still up for drabs and he was the defensive coordinator for the Falcons before coming over to Dallas. So Dan Quinn's got a couple of uh, options. It seems like, um, very good head coach, defensive-minded head coach, and that's the the ebb and flow of the NFL. It's crazy. If you have a a defensive-minded head coach paired with a good quarterback, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit. Yep. Just look at the Texans this year, who we'll talk about in a second. D'Amico Ryan's longtime linebacker in the NFL, defensive-minded head coach. They get C.J. Stroud in the draft. You also grab Will Anderson with another top ten pick. Mm-hmm. You have potentially the offensive and defensive players of the year, uh, off, rookies, I should say, with a, a good head coach. 
That'll get you to play at Super Cup Wild Card Weekend. That's it. Um, <clears throat> which is a great transition because that's kind of what we're going to go over right now is a lot of people are labeling this boogie as the best wild card weekend ever. You have so many different storylines. You have January Joe Flacco against rookie C.J. Stroud. You have Tyreek Hill going back to Kansas City in a frigid temperature game tonight. You have the Steelers and the Bills, two AFC mainstays in this postseason, playing in Buffalo in three feet of snow. You have Mike McCarthy going back against the Packers. You have Matthew Stafford against the Lions and Jared Goff against the Rams. And then you have a Philadelphia Eagles team who was the NFC winners last year, Super Bowl runner-up, going to the Buccaneers to take on a guy that has a chip on his shoulder and Baker Mayfield, a walk-on at Texas Tech, transfers to Oklahoma, somehow gets drafted, wins the Heisman, plays in Cleveland, they don't want him, goes to Carolina, they don't want him, now he has the Bucks in the playoffs. Following Tom Brady. All, yeah, all of these storylines are a big part of what's going to happen. And you know what's great about storylines is they don't matter in until the game starts. That's right. Once the game starts, it's just a game. That's it. Leading up to our first game here is at 1.30. It's about 8.20 a.m. Pacific now. So this first game on our docket is going to be today on NBC at 1.30. It's the five-seed Cleveland Browns and the four-seed Houston Texans. The Houston Texans went from having the number two pick in the draft to winning the AFC South. Got a little help on the last week of the season with a Jacksonville loss, and uh, then they beat the Colts, and they win the AFC South. So number second worst team in the league, AFC South champions. Big reason for that, C.J. Stroud is putting up MVP-like numbers for the Houston Texans. And I listen to this kid speak, and he is such a smart kid. Um, makes good decisions, good reads, cannon for an arm. Had a feeling when he lost that game to Georgia in the semis last year, that he was going to be special and uh, Rookie of the Year without a doubt. Mm. Um, but then you have Cleveland, who's got the resurgence of January Joe Flacco, who's one win away from surpassing Tom Brady for the most playoff wins in NFL history. This guy was on the couch this year. Uh, Watson gets hurt. DTR gets hurt. They give Joe a call. He comes out. He's been their starting quarterback. He became the first Browns quarterback to throw for back-to-back 300-yard games since 1980. The offense, he's he's just slinging that thing all over the yard, man. And and the Browns, eleven and six, great season. Um, had a shot at the division towards the end there, and they're doing all this without their all-world running back Nick Chubb, who got hurt in the first game of the year. But Jerome Ford has stepped in nicely. Kareem Hunt, they picked him up as well, and uh, Amari Cooper and David Njoku have been very good targets for Flacco. And they have the second-best defense in the league against the run, or against the pass, I should say. Um, They're 13th in points allowed. And when you look at a playoff game, there's a lot that goes into it. But for Boogie Knight's first play, we got to side with Cleveland to win this game just based off of experience and them having a better defense. And the the question mark surrounding how C.J. Stroud is going to play in his first playoff game um, <clears throat> Cleveland looks like a little bit more well-disciplined. They're healthy on the defensive side of the football. Miles Garrett is a first-team All-Pro pass rusher. I think they can put enough pressure on Stroud and um, get a W here. Uh, and Cleveland is one of those AFC wildcard dark horses to make a little run here. And that's who we're going to side with. The Cleveland Browns on the money line, minus $1.40 um, to beat the Texans today and move on to Divisional Weekend. Yeah, I love uh, the fact that this Browns team is on the road right now. 
Joe Flacco has a great uh, record on the road. Uh, what an unbelievable story he's got this year. Uh, the Browns, with their great defense, running is a key as well, uh, especially in the playoffs. Uh, the Texans, great job by D'Amico Ryans and his head coaching uh, has been able to lead this team to an unbelievable season. Obviously, we've talked about C.J. Stroud all season long. He will win Rookie of the Year. Uh, I believe that Texans do have a couple of injuries, too, on their wide receiver side. Um, their running back situation is not the greatest. It's been okay with Singletary. Um, but the Browns and that running back situation, great job by them to be able to recover without Nick Chubb. And I think that with Defense wins championships. I say it all the time. That's why I loved Michigan this past week. The fact of the matter is the Browns are a little bit more experienced. I got to go with the Browns. You're asking me just to go ahead and win the game outright on the road. Give me the Browns minus 140 on the money line. First play of the day is the Browns minus 140. That's at 130. A win here for Cleveland, and they could play any number of teams depending on what happens with the rest of the AFC playoffs during this super wild card weekend. They could go to Baltimore. They could go to Buffalo. They could go to Kansas City. Or they could host the Dolphins. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen with wild card weekend, but the Browns first play of the day. <clears throat> Second game tonight is promising to be a fun one we're looking at negative four degrees at kickoff that ball is going to be hard as a rock we have the dolphins and the chiefs um interesting matchup here is the dolphins were the number one seed in the afc a lot of the season kansas city has kind of not played up to their standards but here they are in the three six game in the afc opportunity for both teams to move on um and and, and keep this train rolling with these frigid temperatures is what I want to talk about. You have a Chiefs offense who has been sputtering as of late for a large portion of this season, uh, plagued by drop passes. Um, and you have a Chiefs defense who's second in points allowed and fourth in pass defense. So that could kind of wash out uh, to his big playability. And I think that combined with the weather is going to create a very low-scoring kind of game. You look at this game kicking off at Arrowhead at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. Negative four. Um, wow. You have, you have a wind chill warning uh, starting at 6 p.m. tonight until noon on Tuesday. Negative four degrees, and uh, it's going to feel like negative 28 with the wind. So you're looking at sub-zero temperatures with a lot of wind. Uh, 15 miles an hour to be exact with wind gusts up to 28 miles an hour. Uh, kicking game's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to throw the ball down the field. Chiefs have a good defense at home. Um, ticket prices for this game have, have, have flown down because of how cold it's going to be. And I think with uh, these two teams and it's playoff football and this kind of weather, we're taking the under here, Boogie and I are, mm -hmm. um, for our, our second and final play of Saturday. Dolphins-Chiefs under 44, weather game, look for a – 17-10-24-17 max kind of thing. I think the first team to score in the 20s is going to win this game. Yeah, we got under here. Uh, it's going to be super cold there. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. They see Dolphins high scoring and everything like that. Uh, obviously, you've got the, the Tyreek Hill uh, storyline going back to Kansas City. Uh, they played earlier this year. And um, 
you know, it was in Germany. So it's going to be a great uh, welcome home, sort of, for the Chiefs, I'm sure, and the Dolphins uh, with Tyreek there. But the fact is, is that if you didn't realize, Tyreek Hill was actually second in the league, as good as he is, second in the league in dropped passes this year. Now you're adding the frigid weather. Um, he does not do well. In the cold, he uh, his percentage of dropped passes in the cold weather is unbelievably high. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be able to move the ball the way they have. Uh, Tua has not played well lately either. Uh, so I do see a lower scoring game here. Uh, of course, you've got the Chiefs in regular, regular weather not really being able to catch the ball <laughs> lately either. Yeah. So... I definitely like the under here, and this is a game that should be low scoring. I see like a 17-10, 20-13 type of score here. Give me the under 44. Under 44. So today's plays are the Browns' money line and the under 44 in Dolphins' Chiefs. We transition to our Sunday triple header of wild card action with the Steelers and the Bills up in Buffalo. Breaking news this morning, Buffalo expecting one to three uh, inches or feet of snow up in Buffalo. It's so bad up there with the snow right now that starting at 10 o'clock tonight, they're hiring all U.S. citizens above the age of 18, and they're paying them $20 an hour to come shovel snow until kickoff. And uh, Boogie and I looked at the forecast for tomorrow's game, and it's not going to stop snowing. It is going to continue snowing until Monday. Um, starting tonight at 10 all the way until Monday morning, you have a winter weather advisory in Buffalo, and it's also going to be cold up there, 20 degrees and under zero with the wind chill and everything. You're looking at a windy, snowy, kind of ugly game, and the point we're trying to make here is 33 is a low, low number. Um, so we went a different route, and I, I talked to Boogie about this, and all of you know I'm a huge Steeler fan, but I'm trying to be objective and cautiously optimistic when it comes to, to talking about this game. And I'll be the first to tell you that if this was a sunny, 50-degree weather September game, Buffalo would run us out of the stadium with Josh Allen dicing us up. But this kind of weather, though, the only way that we are going to have a chance in this game is if it was ugly, and this game is going to be ugly. I mean, you're talking... Snow Bowl 2024, giving me Raiders versus Patriots vibes in the 2001 divisional playoffs. And you're looking at two teams, great programs, great head coaches. McDermott and Tomlin actually played together at William & Mary. Really? Way back in the day. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Former college teammates, uh, great friends, so great respect for one another. The bottom line here, I think, is it's going to be... Um, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be close. And I think since it's so ugly, I think the Steelers, with this weather, I think anybody can win this game. That's going to – all this snow is going to kind of take away from that Buffalo high-powered offense here. Their defenses are relatively the same. And Pittsburgh, as of late, especially during this three-game winning streak with Mason Rudolph – Mason's been efficient, completed 90% of his passes last week with a two-horse running back. Pittsburgh can move the chains and play good defense. I think there's a chance here. Not having TJ is, a, is problematic, but I think this line's a little bit too high. I actually handicapped this to about a touchdown victory for Buffalo, um, and that's with no weather. So that weather leads me to my Steelers, and that's where we're going. Steelers 
plus 10 points, closer than the experts think. Yeah, if this could be a, a regular season, uh, decent weather, uh, I believe this is all Bills. High-powered offense uh, against this Steelers team. They've been playing very well, though, with Mason Rudolph the last few games. And uh, I know that uh, they have a pretty good ground game, obviously, with Najee and Warren. Um, but... I think that with the Bills in this weather, I think that it can definitely be closer. Um, it's going to be a factor. I mean, the total is only 33. And if that gives you an indication, uh, with that, that Vegas total line telling you right there, there might not be much scoring going on here. I like uh, the Steelers to keep it closer. Uh, last time these two teams played, Bills blew them out. But again, it's a different type of atmosphere. Uh, especially because of the weather. We're going Steelers. We'll take them plus nine and a half. Plus ten. Steelers plus ten in Buffalo. It's going to be closer than everybody thinks. Go Steelers, 10 a.m. CBS tomorrow morning. <clears throat> Second game of our triple header on Sundays, the Packers and the Cowboys. Two classic historical franchises matching up in the wild card round here. Mike McCarthy coaching against the Packers for the first time since he left Green Bay to become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Jordan Love is making his first playoff appearance, and uh, we never know how that's going to go. We also have a head coach making his playoff debut. That's the difference here, folks. Uh, you know, Love and LaFleur, that tandem making their first journey into the postseason. McCarthy's won Super Bowls. Dallas has been to the NFC Championship game two of the last three years. Dallas is 8-0 at home this year, outscoring opponents by 28 points per game. Do you know they've blown out everybody they've played at home? There's only been like one game that they it was within one score. 8-0 um, at home this year, great home record, earned the two seed, won the NFC East, staring down the rabbit hole of a potential third year in a row playing the 49ers in the postseason to get to the Super Bowl. This is, I think, Dallas's best chance. They got all pros all over the place. Three of their five uh, offensive linemen are all pros. C.D. Lamb's a first-team all-pro. Dak, second-team all-pro. Uh, Deron Bland, who led the NFL in interceptions. No digs, no problem. Uh, Parsons, second-team all-pro with Max Crosby on the defensive side on second team there. I don't think this is close. Um, I think Dallas, worst-case scenario, you're looking at an eight-point win. I think they win by multiple scores here. Uh, Green Bay's defense, for any of you wondering about them, um, 28th against the run. So Pollard should be able to have a field day. Uh, 11th against the pass, 10th in points allowed. Green Bay, uh, not a great road team, 4-5 and five on the road, under 500. 9-8 this season, claimed the wild card spot on the last day of the year. Kind of lucky to be there. You have a team that's lucky to be there against a team that can win the Super Bowl. Bottom line. And we're going to take the Cowboys laying seven points. I think it's a double-digit win for Dallas. Yeah, I would say I'm biased here. But when you really look at it, the Cowboys uh, play extremely well at home. Um, Jerry Jones quoted that he's peeing down his leg with excitement. How about that? Well, he's peeing his pants, huh? Man, my man is 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 ready to go here. This This is the difference here. Dak's high-powered offense, he has just been unbelievable this year, and you've seen the maturity with him uh, and the way that he has been able to control uh, his team this year. Uh, they had lost uh, Trevon Diggs early 
on the defensive side. Like you mentioned, Bland's been unbelievable to step up. Uh, you've got a, a great offense playing against, uh, you know, I mean, you got to give it up for Jordan Love, though. Jordan Love, he actually led the uh, second in the league in, in uh, touchdown passes this year. He came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, you weren't able to see Aaron Rodgers do that. Uh, but the fact is, is that the Cowboys are at home. They dominate at home. That defense is going to be hyped up. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take the Cowboys. I think that their high-powered offense will be too much for this Packers team. Cowboys lay in seven. Dallas has won their last 16 games at Jerry World, undefeated at home in their last two seasons. I don't see them slipping up here. Cowboys to cover the seven points. Last game of the night on Sunday on NBC is going to be fun. The Rams and the Lions. Stafford going against his old team and Jared Goff going against his old team. It's really funny, though, because everyone's talking about Stafford more than Goff. And the Lions have a 6-2 and two home record. First home game in Ford Field history. They, bought, they built a stadium 20 years ago. It's their first home game there. Place is going to be rocking, man. A lot of people saying the Rams could be a dark horse candidate to win the NFC and get back to another Super Bowl. And uh, I'm just not really buying it. I think the Lions' offense is uh, humming right now, 27 points a game. At home, they've been very, very efficient. And um, I think Detroit's going to get the best of the Rams here. Uh, and it's a it's a strong book read. A lot of the public are on the Rams. We fade the public in big games like this on a, on a standalone spot on NBC on, on Sunday night. And we're going to go with the Lions at home to advance. Uh, Lions advance to play the Cowboys Next week, Lions money line minus a dollar seventy. I mean, the storylines just keep getting better and better. Uh, this oh. Lions team, unbelievable season. Dan Campbell, what a great job he's done. And there is a major chip on their shoulder right now. After I gotta say, for a Cowboys fan myself, kind of getting robbed uh, on that uh, that last play of the game when the Cowboys played them a couple weeks back. And uh, you know, I think that they are ready to go. Uh, Goff has a chip on his shoulder as well. These uh, these offensive weapons that they've got, that defense, and of course, the home game have not played a home playoff game in 30 years. It's going to be rocking in Detroit, and we're going to go ahead and take the Lions minus 170 on the money line. Lions to beat the Rams, setting up Lions and Cowboys next week in Dallas. A rematch of a game that ended with a lot of question marks. A lot of controversy. 20-19 should be a fun divisional round playoff matchup between the Cowboys and the Lions next week. We move on to Monday Night Football, our last game of Wild Card Weekend at 5.15 p.m. on ESPN. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. Eagles, Buccaneers. No A.J. Brown in this one. It was announced this morning he will be out. Jalen Hurts is having a little bit of a finger issue. And Mayfield and Hurts, two really good college quarterbacks matching up here in Tampa. Tampa squeaked in, winning the mediocre NFC South with a 9-8 and record. Eagles came in at 11-5. This kind of reminds me of the time the Seahawks went 8-9 and and won the NFC West and mm. then hosted the Saints, who were 11-5 and as a wildcard team. When Marshawn Lynch had that great run and the Seahawks beat the Saints. The Eagles have been in a little bit of turmoil here. And with Hurts not being 100% and A.J. Brown not being on the field, combined with their 30th ranked defense in points allowed, I think Baker Mayfield to Mike Evans could be a quite 
frequent occasion here, Boogs. And I think Tampa Bay can really pull this off at home. Um, and that's where we're going. Last play of the weekend. Buccaneers can potentially win this game outright. And if you think they're going to win, take the points. We're taking the Bucks plus three at home. And a potential upset knocking out the defending NFC champions. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay, what a story this year. Obviously, we're trying to figure out what... What they need to do to be able to take care of business. But this is a lean for me personally against Philadelphia. Uh, there's a lot lot of talk out there. If Nick Sirianni does not win this game, that uh, Bill Belichick might be his replacement. There he is. And uh, they, will not, they will not hold back. And I think that with Mike Evans, the way that he played this year with Baker Mayfield, that offense uh, had been able to play very, very well. Uh, together, I think this is a lean for me more on the the fact that Philadelphia has been fading the last month and a half. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not completely healthy. No AJ Brown out there. I know you still have Devontae Smith, but I think that the Bucks can go ahead and uh, take care of business at home. Uh, Give the Bucks plus three. Bucks plus three to potentially knock out the Eagles. And that's it. 199 is complete. Uh, 299. 299 is complete. Browns minus 140. The Dolphins Chiefs under today. On Sunday, we got the Steelers getting 10. The Cowboys laying 7. And the Lions money line. And on Monday, we wrap up with an underdog. Bucks plus 3. There it is. Six pack of picks. Fade us, tease us, whatever you want to do. Just win, baby. That's a wrap. We'll talk to you guys for episode 300. Good luck this week. Everyone have a fun, safe weekend. And don't drink and drive. Mm -mm. Bear it out. Boogie out.